On today's show, I've got a current PWP in London. She's also the founder and director of Inside Out, which is a social enterprise which helps with mental health education to create awareness by many creative forms, which I'm sure we'll hear about later. And she also recently did a workshop about managing digital well-being, particularly in the COVID period. I'd like to welcome to the show, Nessa. Hi, Nessa. Do you want to tell us a little bit about, uh, we'll maybe start with your position and what you do as a psychological well-being practitioner? Sure. So I've been a psychological well-being practitioner for, um, well, qualified psychological well-being practitioner for just over a year. And of course, working in IAPT for um, just over two years now, so including the training. And um, I've worked in two different services and it's really given me an opportunity to work with a wide range of people so within my role itself um, I have the opportunity to conduct assessments um, and also offer treatment so treatment is usually based on low intensity cognitive behavioral therapy and um, we we uh, I also do workshops as well so currently in the service that I'm um, working in we're designing culturally sensitive workshops which is great I'm all for that um, and again that's given me an opportunity to actually um, combine my own experiences and also my professional work to support other people as well so um, the role as a PWP of course um, is is quite challenging <laughs> to say the least but it's equally as rewarding as well and it's really given me the opportunity to actually um get into the psychology field but to be honest I, I didn't feel like um initially it wasn't really something that I had in mind to become a PWP mainly because of um I didn't really know about it so it wasn't something that I was quite familiar with I'm not sure why when I was doing my undergrad no one mentioned that PWPs exist um so yeah it was just until um, someone who I know who was working with me um, with Inside Out at the time, she mentioned that, oh, okay, there's this PWP role where it gives you the opportunity to train and, um, you know, so, um, work towards supporting people. So I thought, okay, let's give that a go. And here I am today. So, um, yeah, overall, it's, it's been a journey. <laughs> it's been a journey, but um, it's been a, a good one, a, a good one, an interesting one, let's put it that way. <laughs> Yeah, it's really, um, <clears throat> excuse me, it's really, um, really good that you have worked at a couple of different services. Seems like, I keep hearing this actually, that the, the PWP role in particular is not one that a lot of people are aware of to start with. It kind of just comes in mm. passing. Um, but I really... I think it's a really good position, actually, especially to, to kind of get, get involved mm -hmm. and, and, and get going, build up a lot of good skills as well. And I really, I might have to speak to you actually a bit about the culturally sensitive workshops, because that, that sounds like something that's, that would be really important for, for lots of different IOP services going forward yeah. as well. We're gonna we're gonna talk about inside out later because I'm just I'm just dying to hear more yeah. about it anyway. And um, we know that you've got sort of two sides to your to your working side, but focusing I guess a little bit more on you can call it the PWP, but maybe inside out mm -hmm. as well. How does how does a person end up having these kind of dual roles? Like, what was your journey? Mm. Oh, 
well, <laughs> I guess there's a lot to it. And I feel like um, every time I get asked that question, it's quite difficult to actually pinpoint that, yet. Yeah, this was the moment that I thought, okay, this is what I need to do. Um, I personally, personally believe that it's been a combination of my experiences, things that I've seen growing up, um, a combination of my own personal experiences, my academic experiences, and of course, professional experiences as well. So um, if we rewind way back to like, let's say secondary school, college times, um, during that time, I actually wanted to become an actor. <laughs> mm. So I went to drama school, um, and that was something that my heart was set on. But of course, growing up in an African household, um, my family wanted me to go into something a bit more academic. So um, I didn't want to do medicine because that's not really me. That's not really my thing. And so the closest that I would go was psychology. So I thought, OK, do you know what? Let me get into this, see how it's going. So I did it at A-levels and it was something that I found quite interesting. It was something that I thought, okay, maybe this is probably an area that I need to get into as well. It's just, you know, that curiosity about understanding people, um, you know, people's minds, where they're coming from. I think that um, natural curiosity really drove me to do that field as well. And then also in terms of um, my own personal experiences anyway. So I had someone who was quite close to me who um, attempted to end their life in front of me. And mm. with that experience as well, um, I felt helpless. I felt hopeless. I didn't know what to do. And um, even you know, up to today, imagine really wanting to help someone, but not knowing what to do. Of course, um, you know, it, it makes you feel quite debilitating and it can have an impact on your own well-being as well. So through that experience, um, um, at that time, I tried to do everything that I could to support. But in retrospect, when I when I think about it, it made me or when I thought about it, maybe a, a year later or so, it made me realise that there is probably a lot of people who are experiencing this. I'm not the only one who, um, you know, is trying to support someone, but they don't know how to, or um, maybe them themselves are experiencing, um, you know, these difficulties as well. So again, that curiosity of understanding um, human behavior and wanting to support people really made me think, okay, this is something that I need to do. and. Um, at that time, I hadn't met any black people in the field as well. So um, to me, it was one of those elitist professions where only a certain type of people can get into it. So um, especially someone growing up. Um, so I grew up in East London, um, grew up in what they would call the hood. <laughs> so um, it made me feel that, OK, I've got these experiences um, I can also be someone who's relatable and also support others um, so yeah from then studied psychology undergrad got some experience ended up doing the PWP course fast forward I'm here and um, to answer your question with 
how I ended up doing two different things. It was when I initially came into the field and I realised that there's a gap in terms of prevention and early intervention and there isn't much being done with mental health education and I believe that mental health education is something that can save lives um, it might sound a bit dramatic but I feel like having that understanding of how your brain works how you behave and um, having that understanding of self is fundamental and can help you navigate through life as well so from that um yeah that's what made me start up inside out and the the great thing about inside out is um i get to also utilize my creativity as well so as i mentioned um as someone who wanted to go into acting and theater and everything i get to combine for me the best of both worlds with my creative side and also my professional and academic side as a result of helping people as well very impressive, yeah. There's a, there's a few things I want to pick up there. But I think it's really nice to to hear the journey, particularly you mentioned like growing, sort of growing up in, in, in the kind of sort of African household, growing up in East London, the, the experiences of both personally and, and, and mm. professionally as well. The, I think the curiosity is the, is the thread that, that I can feel there. And you know the personal experiences obviously really sorry to hear about the you know some of the experiences that, that you've mentioned but I, I can imagine I can only imagine what kind of impact that would have had on you and of course you you kind of discussed the I guess the more sort of positive side of where that's ended up and the outcome of that in terms of wanting to to help others as well touched on kind of that this kind of something about like a value or something like wanting to help I feel like and then just noticing about what the field looked like as well so that that was that was quite interesting and of course the the inside outside uh, inside outside the inside out element of it as well with <laughs> prevention um you know being so so important and that lack of education and thinking rather than being reactive actually being proactive getting mm. out there and yeah yeah you, you mentioned before about you know connecting the, the the creative side you know the we talked earlier about the kind of theater music and I suppose doing it in in a way where it's it's not just the standards but there's some there's a there's a different way of a different medium mm-hmm. of communicating that as well I found, you know it's really I just found that really fascinating mm-hmm. just because we're going to talk about maybe inside out for a bit now um what what's the if people want to kind of look this up and, and find out more, what, what are the, how, how can people find out more? So um, we've got a website. So it's www.insideoutwellbeing.org. And we are also on all social media platforms. Um, so Twitter, Instagram, Facebook. Um, yeah, that's the best place to find out information about what we do you can also drop me an email if you like um so my email address is vanessa b-a-n-e-s-s-a at insideoutwellbeing.org and that's how you can find out more about us we're also on youtube as well so if you want to um 
find out a bit more about what we have been up to over the last three years we've got a great summary video on youtube that you can um, have a look at just to keep you informed and also you can sign up to our newsletter if you'd like as well um, to be the first to hear about our events and workshops so we do regular workshops of course at the moment we've had to um, adapt and move online um, which is still going, is still going well, it's be, still being well received. So I'm grateful for that as well. That's the, I mean, that's, that's really positive and I'm going to have to, I'm going to have to find out more and more things. I have to um, really look into these because I've seen, I've seen a few bits, but just haven't put aside uh, some time to do that. And I mean, they just, they just sound fantastic. I suppose before we, before we move on, if those like sort of maybe one or two events that you've really enjoyed, or one, you know, one or two things that's been mm. quite exciting about it. What, 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 what would those things be? With that workshop in particular, it was really well received. Um, you know, the the feedback that we received from that was quite overwhelming as well. But um, even so, we ended up having to do that event twice, that workshop twice, because of the demand for it. So um, I think. That in particular was one of my favorite topics because um, not many people are talking about racial trauma itself. And it really gave people, um, you know, it, 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 you know, when you are able to actually put a label on your experience, uh, for some people that can be really helpful just to validate what they're going through. And also just to see that there's research behind this as well. So, you know, people have conducted research and there's evidence to suggest that you know this experience is real on top of the exper experiential side as well so um yeah that was really well received i really um enjoyed that workshop and we worked with um dr yvette arthur who is a clinical psychologist and she's been in the field for about 10 years love her love her work um, she's amazing. and Yes, she is amazing. <laughs> um, and we also worked with um, Deji, who is a forensic um, mental health practitioner. He is also phenomenal as well. Mm. Um, yeah, so it was it was a really good workshop. Um, so I'll say that was one of my favourite topics. My other favourite topic is, of course, um, the digital well-being. So managing your digital well-being, which talks about um you know the ways that social media is affecting your brain um i feel like some of the things that we speak about in this workshop it really should be in the terms and conditions when you're signing up to social media itself um i believe anyway um but i even if it was actually i don't think people would actually read it because people hardly read terms and conditions anyway but yeah it's, it's interesting because the people who actually make these platforms they actually limit the time that um they actually give for their children to use these platforms as well so if they are limiting it for their own children who they love and care for what is that telling us is that some is there something that they're not telling us as well so yeah it's just again that curiosity behind it was um it is what drove me to do more research into it and yes it's definitely one of my favorite topics particularly because it's relevant um and just to throw another one in there one of the events that we did so we did a theater production um and that was outlining 
um, a story or showing the journey of a university student who was going through a journey and they were later diagnosed with a um, severe mental health condition. And yeah, that was definitely one of my, I think that is to date one of my best projects um, I've ever worked on. Um, because again, it gave me that opportunity to exercise my creative side and also exercise that academic and, and side as well and give people a message that hopefully hits home mm. and um, also allows them to identify the signs, the symptoms. Mm. It was really good. There was the, the theatre aspect of it. There was a the music aspect of it. It was basically like a musical. Um, mm. Yeah, it was really good. It was called P for Pressure. P for Pressure. People pressure is that is that one on can you find that on the youtube channel as well or is that like more of a like face to face only there's snippets of it yeah yeah there's snippets of it but yeah i think it's one of those things we are looking to do that we were meant to be doing it this year actually we're mm. doing it this year but of course you know COVID. um for obvious reasons <laughs> um that went down the drain <laughs> yeah. but hopefully we can do that again soon I mean, it all sounds so promising and I think definitely I'd be encouraging people to go and have a look at the, the, the channels, the platforms and keep an eye out, really get, get signed up to that newsletter so that, you know, when at a point we were able to kind of put them on, whether via Zoom or, or in person, I think I think a lot of people, if you haven't heard about it already, will really find that so helpful and, and about that prevention and just just food for thought, I guess, to start with as well mm. about about the impact of of a lot of things on, on mental health so thanks for sharing mm. I'm, uh, I'm I'm feeling like I should have done this at the beginning of this COVID period so I had all, I've got all these things that I can look at but you know Christmas soon comes so can um can look yeah. at it then <laughs> soon yeah Christmas is actually around the corner <laughs> it is it is don't scare me so I want to <laughs> I want to move on and think about more about the, the psychology field now and start thinking about the issues mm-hmm. facing like people like yourself people people like like me of course and, and many others out there where you're from a I don't know what we're calling it now but like minoritized background particularly in, in terms of heritage and, and ethnicity and bef- before we even get into that just mm-hmm. for the, the listeners are you okay to tell us um sort of how you would define your your heritage yeah I'm I'm going in you, you yeah, Ghanaian like, both parents. Like power, yeah. With the vim, I was like, yes, yes. I'm Ghanaian. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. No, of course, yeah, both yeah. parents are Ghanaian, so I'm Ghanaian, that's it. Yeah. <laughs> so t- tell me a bit about, because you, you mentioned before about obviously starting with wanting to maybe go into drama or more the creative side and then this kind of mm. influence in your household maybe sort of I'm going to use the word guiding. There might mm. be a different word for it, but guiding you maybe towards the <laughs> academic route. How, how, yeah. how was that for you? Was it quite smooth? Was there some, some kind of battles or conflicts? Of course, most definitely. I think it was, it was um, a big battle, um, especially those people who knew me at the time um, knew that yeah that was what I had my heart set set on that was something that I wanted to do I essentially loved it I loved creating I still love creating today but of course um, that's a bit limited right now um, mm. so it's funny because 
now to think of it, um, or when I think about it in retrospect, there was, I think there was two parts to it. I think the first part was, um, I had like uncles saying, oh, you should go and do medicine. You should do this, da, 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 da. look at this cousin who is doing medicine. You should go and follow them, blah, blah, blah. <laughs> All of that kind of stuff. And it's just like, oh, can you leave me alone? But then my, um, immediate, in my immediate household, it wasn't even that, um, outward sort of pressure I think it was just more an internal thing where I started feeling a bit guilty and um essentially like most people do get a better life and um you know work to provide a better life for her children as well so you know when you're like seeing her work hard and um you know do bang out those shifts, mm. come home, put food on the table, mm. clean the house, do this, etc. And with um, you know, when I when I started thinking about the creative scene, um uh doing the being the creative scene mm. professionally, it's one of those fields where, as with most fields anyway, but it's one of those fields where it's sort of difficult to start making the income um straight away. Um, yeah. you have to work extra, extra hard, especially, you know, as a black person, mm. um, tapping into that area itself. So I started feeling guilty because I felt like um maybe I wouldn't be able to contribute as much and help out my mom of course it's one of those ones and when you're first starting out um you're probably not going to be making much at all mm. um and I sort of didn't want to be that this might sound a bit weird but I didn't want to be that struggling um creative yeah, yeah. um if I'm being honest Fair so yeah. it's 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 kind of sad because I felt that pressure and that anxiety and it made me sort of drop it as a whole and go into the more quote-unquote stable field where I know that okay mm. if I study this I'm going to be able to later on do this training and mm. then after I do that I've got a job and if you know we're being honest um you know this is a field where at the moment anyway um or you know any public services um mm. were it, it's 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 a bit weird to say I was going to say it's always going to be there kind of thing mm-hmm. Am I right in saying that? Is it always going to be there? Is is there until we know anything else, basically? <laughs> I mean, you'd you'd imagine so. I think, yeah. More generally speaking, there there are, of course, all the whispers about privatization and things like that. But yeah. as a as a job, most most likely for the foreseeable future, you know, you, you get a permanent position. You can feel mm. quite secure, and I think there are there are a lot of industries that lend themselves to that. And I think this is one where you can feel reasonably comfortable, barring any significant changes. I guess I think I think you're right in what you're saying. Yeah, yeah. you you worded that beautifully, by the way. <laughs> I, I try, you know, um, but you know, I, I yeah. do, I do, I do understand. Um, just probably gone off topic a little bit, but this this part of you. Is there a part of you that may return? Good question. Um, never say never. So I'm not going to say I'm not going to do that completely. But I don't, I feel like I'm, I love the position that I'm in now, where again, I have this amazing opportunity to, you know, 
have the best of both worlds, what I feel is the best of both worlds, where I can combine science, psychology with creativity and theatre. So even as we speak, um, I'm currently actually working on a production. So this is a, a, a theatre production. Um, and again, it's mental health based. So um, that gives me the opportunity to oversee the script um, as a professional to actually make it real and it gives me the opportunity to also work with other creatives so I'm almost using both sides of my brain I'm not just <laughs> no, no, it's, it's, it's amazing you know it's almost like, yeah. like, like a hybrid of both isn't it and that's you know what more could you could you kind of ask for really if you can't yeah. necessarily do it in a way maybe that you originally intended you can still incorporate yeah. bits in so that that's 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 really cool yeah and of course like creativity I believe is a universal language so a lot of people learn through creativity more than they would learn through um you know a teacher or for some people that creativity, music, theatre is their therapy. So they're able to actually get the therapeutic benefits from listening to a band, a live band, or you know, hearing someone speak or seeing the passion come through. So um, yeah, I think it also gives that opportunity not just to um, learn from it, but there's also mm -hmm. therapeutic benefits in my opinion. I, th I think so. I think probably tomorrow um, when, I, when I meet with my supervisor, I maybe need to ask them whether I can do a, a therapy session at a, at a live like, um, yes. like show or something <laughs> like that. So it's, it's a therapy yeah. and it, it needs to be funded by the, by the, by the service as well. Is Tell them. <laughs> I need to check if, um, if maybe uh, Kano's got a set soon. Um, so <laughs> so we'll, we'll, we'll move on and, and mm -hmm. talk about well, well, we kind of started a, a little while ago about, mm -hmm. you know, things that are getting in the way of people maybe progressing in mm. psychology when you're not from, I'm going to just call it out really, like a white British background as mm. well. Um, what what are the main things that stand out to you as the kind of issues for, for people like people like you, people like me, mm. etc.? Yeah, I think first and foremost, um, it links back to what I mentioned before, I think there's that lack of representation. I guess now in 2020, that is improving, but of course, there's still a lot of work to be done. So as I mentioned, I remember, um, you know, being in secondary school, um, college times thinking, okay, I want to go into the psychology field now, but... I don't even know a psychologist. I don't know a therapist. Um, I don't know anyone who's actually in this field. Whereas you might get, um, you know, someone else, person A, down the road who they have um, family members and uncles that can give them that quick internship. And, mm. you know, that's it. They're in the field. They've got that experience. And because of that, it means that some people who are in like similar positions to me, we have to go the long way around. We have to navigate ourselves and we have to find out information ourselves. And we know that, you know, just reading things on the internet, that's great. And I'm so grateful for the internet and Google and all that kind of stuff. Mm. Um, but hearing someone's experiences or someone telling you what it's actually like, that can make mm. a huge difference. And because of that, we make a lot of mistakes and that sort of hinders our progress. So I think that lack of representation, um, lack of role models, again, 
that is changing and we are seeing more black people in the field as well and that's why one of um you know one of the things that I'm trying to do anyway is um be that person as well mm. I'm sure there's a lot of people out there who are um you know showing that yes there's black people in this field wow. um you know just because you've come from I don't know the hood or whatever that doesn't mean that you can't get into this field yeah. even those experiences actually can help you to support people like you as well 100%, yeah. yeah so I think yeah that's that's one of the main things that lack of representation which means we're taking forever yeah. we're taking you know twice as long to get somewhere that someone else got to you know in a shorter period of time I couldn't agree with you more. I think certainly, and I, th- I think with with a lot of the conversations I've had in regard to, to doing this podcast, the recourse is always, um, this isn't the necessarily the, the rule or it's not for everything, but certainly I've noticed when, I, when I've gotten to the position that I'm at now and I kind of look up, I'm not really seeing too many of me mm. looking side to side and I see a couple people and then I'm looking at the position mm-hmm. I kind of previously was in I'm seeing a few more than mm. what it was when I was there but certainly the representation is not there and I think I say that knowing quite confidently that it's not because it's that old adage of people don't apply you know people aren't you know, we're not getting people from from these different groups, and I know that I know that there is that that is happening, like that that people are applying, and actually there is a, some kind of filter system going on at times. Uh, again, not pointing any fingers, but I mean, you know, that if there were some statistics done, I don't think that they would lie. There's a few things you you, you mentioned that really stood out to me. The making mistakes and, and role models as well. I want to come back to role models in a minute, but mistakes. Mm-hmm. One thing I've noticed is, of course, I think in any profession, I think mistakes are acceptable, give or take some, probably less so than others. Like if you're a pilot or a brain surgeon, probably not so <laughs> much. But I think mistakes are a really helpful way of learning uh, i saw a, a tweet earlier saying you make a hundred mistakes we fall down a hundred times it's a hundred lessons that you can learn i think i saw that too yeah i forgot you tweeted it but i saw it as well <laughs> i think it was a, a really good idea and that i don't have an issue with what i have an issue with and I, I don't know if you can attest to this is when someone like you for example make a mistake thinking of your demographic how that mistake mm-hmm. is viewed in comparison to Mm. Like it. I don't know about any experiences or anything you've seen anything mm. yeah I've I've definitely seen that happen um a, a few times and um I might as well just share a personal experience as well so <laughs> when um I finished my undergrad and I started getting experience I started working in a rehabilitation recovery home and that was a big big eye-opener to the you know the psychology field it was almost like my first full-time job um so yeah it was it was a really really interesting experience Mm. and I I remember I I had a position as a a graduate support worker Mm -hmm. and there was also another person who started at the same time as me and um, I remember 
I think with, with that person, of course, I'm not going to go into too much detail, but with the person I was working with, they seemed to be always late. And that meant that they were making mistakes or not being on time to administer medication and were waiting for this person to, because they're on the rotor to do the role that they are meant to do. And um, yeah, they didn't really get any sort of formal warning for that because it was yeah. something that was going on for a long time. And then I, I think I remember there was one time where uh, there was just a lot of things going on at home and um, I think I had to drop my brother to school before getting into work at eight o'clock and that one time that I was late um, it just you know it ended up getting blown out of proportion and I ended up getting um, in a bit of trouble for that as well and I was thinking or I, I even said so when x y and z is late and it seems like it's an ongoing thing for them how comes no one is saying anything? Why is so, no one saying anything? So you called it out. You. I did. Okay. Yeah. That's yeah. yeah. Okay. Good. Yeah. Yeah. Sorry. Sorry. No, that's okay. Yeah. So I I did call it out, and then I ended up being that angry black girl, that okay. bitter black girl, and oh, I um, what's it? I don't know. And I was I felt quite patronized as well, and felt that my even though it was a little thing it's, it's so interesting because it's a really small thing that shouldn't have really um escalated but it only escalated because I spoke up and long story short um you know they told me to stay home for a couple of weeks before coming back it just it, it was so strange it was really really strange and I think at that time I was probably how old are you when you come out of undergrad um like early 20s 21 yeah early yeah yeah and I was just so distraught because I was thinking okay so this experience that I had we know why we everyone in this room knows why um you know I'm being pictured as this angry black person but no one is defending me and I felt quite sad that even um you know people my my supervisor at the time wasn't defended defending me and I think yeah I was probably the only black female yeah mm. at that workplace and it was yeah I think that was for, for someone who's just starting out in the profession that can literally you know discourage anyone um so yeah that was a a very interesting experience I mean that could destroy someone let alone discourage I mean Okay. Yeah. We're, we're, we're assuming here that the other person that was coming late quite frequently was someone from a, a sort of a majority demographic the kind of typical thing we yeah yeah okay. so they were, yeah white british just okay. to put it that way yeah okay <laughs> um and i mean just just to kind of recount that so you were late for legitimate reasons it sounded like you had a pretty good sort of punctuality record anyway and i think all of us end up mm. late at times that's just the, the nature yeah. of it, you know most you know most mm. of us will try not to but not only did you get in trouble for this you when you sort of called it out and tried to um you know just reflect on whether this was fair treatment given what mm. other people may have done you were sent home so you actually punished mm-hmm. for the situation and what's incredible um like obviously this is a while ago now thinking Mm -hmm. back about that Mm. like how do you feel about it now it makes me feel sad because 
I know that, um, you know, I'm not the first person that's been through that and I'm not the last person that will go through that as well. And it's, um, it's, it's I'm also quite sad because, you know, it's, it's something that actually had an impact on further experiences that I've had um, down the line as well. So um, later on, I remember during my training, I, was, I trained outside of London Mm. And again, I was the only black female um, in my office. And um, this was even an experience with a, a patient, actually, where, long story short, they basically came to see me. It was the first time that they're coming to see me. And um, after the session, they asked, oh, are you going to be my therapist for all six sessions? And I was like, yeah, is there anything that's wrong and they're like oh no 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 I thought I would have someone else mm. and um I was like okay do you, do you want someone else I was like oh um well I would have preferred maybe someone they tried to spin it on having someone a bit more experienced Experience. yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> mm. um which I understood because at that time I was training anyway mm. and with those experience with that experience that I had with that long story short um we ended up or they ended up um, switching therapists to someone mm. else. And I didn't say anything. And it just, in, in retrospect, thinking about it now, I feel like that first experience that I had in the field um, made me think, like, at this point, I don't really want to be pictured as the angry Black woman because it's exhausting. It's really exhausting. Mm. And I don't really want to sort of jeopardise my training as well I want to finish this so then I could be qualified so I can go on to do xyz so I didn't say anything I kept my mouth pim mm -hmm. and in the end I just ended up leaving and coming back to London because it was just too much it's, it's too much like having mm -hmm. all of that pressure it's almost like you're you're carrying a, a carrying a, a rucksack and in that rucksack you've got like 10 bricks and you're bringing that to work with you mm. and trying to do therapeutic work as well mm. in the end you're basically pouring out of an empty cup there's nothing more for you to um give when you mm. are feeling that way anyway mm. so um yeah i feel like that that first situation really had an impact on the way that i approach things and just kept quiet so mm. i remember at that place i was working everyone thought um I was the quiet person because I just didn't really want to, I just want to do my job, leave, mm. do my job, leave. <laughs> mm. Didn't really want to interact with anyone. So I don't mm. get myself into any trouble because I want to get this done. So then I can, um, you know, get um, that experience, get that qualification, get paid, provide for my family, things like that. Just keep yeah. things moving, really. So it makes you turn a blind eye to things. Um, but now, will I approach something? I think I would, but in a more smarter way. In retrospect, I think maybe the time that I, the way that I approached it back then, um, you know, when you're you're sort of um, you're graduate, you're yeah. you've got that energy, you're yeah, on that fire kind of yeah. thing. So, <laughs> may, I could have maybe approached that in a different way. Yeah. I think I think I think possibly, um, you know, and, and you know, hindsight always tells us quite a lot isn't it I'm just mm. I think what's standing out for me from from that is why 
have you been put in that situation in the first place? And even mm. the first example, but also the, the second one, I can, I mean, I get it. Like at the end of the day, if someone's having therapy, they, they have the, the, the choice mm-hmm. to, have, you know, ask for whoever they want and that's fine it's, it's about them um you know but i think also as well it's it's any impact because the, the experience thing again we were both laughing there but i used to think when someone said experience they meant someone who's older and um friend mm-hmm. that will kind of see my picture anyone that knows me i probably do look a bit younger than what what i am and and and, and always have what mm-hmm. i started to um, notice a little bit more in just the, the discourse that was coming out and I don't know if this if is the same for you but experience was just you don't look like you can do the mm-hmm. job you're not old enough to do the job like mm-hmm. the first session are you just looking after me until the real therapist gets here mm-hmm. do you know mm-hmm. what I mean and I, I don't know literally yeah? literally that I think you, yeah again you you worded that beautifully like that that phrase itself that's probably what the person was thinking are you just looking after me before my real therapist actually mm. gets here and even the impact if you're not um someone who is um or even anyone in general that that can have an impact on your own confidence levels mm. and self-esteem and even your um you know what you feel you're capable of doing and that's why a lot of people go into this field myself included with imposter syndrome because you think mm. okay I'm here but am I actually meant to be here kind of thing yeah um so it's again another battle another thing that's added it's inside that rucksack yeah, yeah exactly yeah. that rucksack that you're carrying questioning yourself but then it's just a constant you just have to constantly remind yourself like recently I put up a post about um imposter syndrome and there was mm. um one of the girls in our team did a blog post about it and she spoke about some affirmations and the one that really stood out to me was you are worthy of the space you occupy Mm -hmm. and sometimes you just have to tell yourself that every morning before you start your job before you start your work before you go into a place because I've I've worked hard you know I put pen to paper Mm -hmm. I've been exactly yeah so definitely I am worthy of this space that I'm occupying yeah and it's sad that at, at times, and again, just want to be clear, it's not, of course, it's not not everyone, not everything. And mm-hmm. there are lots of different things that contribute to it. But there is this general message of society hinting, indicating, looking at people in a way that makes them feel like an imposter because it's almost with their actions they're saying you're you, know, you shouldn't be here so why would you mm-hmm. not feel like that but I think the, the affirmations is I mean re- you know really powerful and again it's it's a shame that, that needs to be used in that context for that reason and I think from a conversation I had the other day about what then comes up, and again, I, I don't know if I'm out of place in saying this, but then you get the the strong black woman trope as well, which is quite problematic in lots of ways because you hear mm-hmm. something like that, and some say, "Oh, you know, you're so strong," and it's like I'm also lots of other things as well. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> I'm, a, I'm a creator, right. you know, and 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 that then becomes the the kind of label. Mm. One one thing I'd love to talk about, but I'm not going to because I'm going to get in a lot of trouble if I do. Oh. Um, but it's the um to highlight now. I should have done a bit more subtly. The 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 training outside of London. 
thing. Mm. <laughs> um, I, I can't. I really can't go into too much detail about that. But yeah, I just want to put it out there in how you describe yourself and the fact that you're from from the hood. You're from East London. Mm. You know, and for some reason, um, probably not going to ask about why you've ended up training outside of London. But my assumption would be that that might not have always been the plan. And for some reason, Definitely. that's not been the case. And um, just to leave it out there for people to think about what's happened there, because um, I've seen it way too much. And, mm. you know, before we're talking about our, our network that, that we've got for um, obviously our industry and mm-hmm. most uh, of the people I've spoken to there have had a similar thing, um, which is quite upsetting mm-hmm. um, as well. But anyway, like I said, um, can't can't talk about that. So uh, I just thought I'd, I'd, I'd put it there as well, something to for, for others. Feed for four. Yeah, I'm going to move on to role models though, because that was something else that you mentioned. Mm-hmm. And I think this was the lack of role models as well. Mm. Have you had any in academia or in? in employment any either role models or supervisors managers um mm-hmm. any anyone that you consider a role model not not just because they they kind of look and um you know from the same background of you but just just any at all yeah really um yeah i would definitely say so um i guess there's when i think of role models i think of two different things Mm. so I think that the first is you know when you have an individual who is someone that you almost look up to in a way and you admire the work that they do Mm. um especially if they're in a similar field to you um it's it's quite encouraging and you get a sense of encouragement from them as well so in in that respect um I remember when I was so I started doing inside out before I became before I even knew about PWP world itself and I remember I got um I got invited to a university to do a talk and there were other people on the panel as well and I remember there was a lady who came to the front and she gave a a presentation um for the event and it was a black woman um and she mentioned that she was a CBT therapist mm-hmm. and I'd never up to that point I'd <laughs> never met a black therapist before wow. and I was just like wow like wow okay do you know what I need to talk to you after this event so um long story short I ended up having a conversation with her and then she was just telling me about what she does um it turned out that she also grew up in um a similar area to me as well so again that relatability and I was just think okay you know if you can do it that means I can do it too and it really gave me a sense of of hope um and you know she's doing amazing things her name's Henrietta she's doing amazing mm. amazing things um and yeah like she was I don't know if she even knows this that she was like one of my first initial role models within the psychology field um so her and then I also feel that when I come into contact with if I'm being honest when I see black therapists who are doing amazing in their fields um 
everyone sort of that I meet and speak to has an amazing story and that really inspires me even if it's someone that I haven't spoke to personally um you know when you if, if someone has like put out some um videos out there or uh, maybe written a blog post and I have a look at it and I can see that yep you've actually um you know it's been a struggle but then you've persisted and you're in the position that you are today I feel like everyone that I've met or that I've heard of or that I've read of their things on their work um they inspire me as well so I consider myself to you know take bits and pieces from everyone that I come into contact with um and I think that's yeah that's essentially what makes me feel really encouraged and makes me feel really inspired mm. that there's there's other people who are sort of um similar to me who are doing amazing in the field as well and even not just people who are similar to me as well so my current supervisor isn't a black woman but she is probably one of the best supervisors I've ever had um just in terms of her approach and her willingness to um listen and learn I can literally I remember um you know during that time when there was that whole um it's still going on now the black lives matters things but when it was really at its heightened base um i was able and comfortable to speak to her about that and she um you know was willing to listen and take into account what i'm saying as well so um yeah i think i've been privileged in the sense where i've met a lot of amazing people along my journey and that has sort of um you know inspired me and encouraged me to to keep going and to aspire to further heights as well, work my way up in the in the field. It's really interesting how that 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 first one in particular was just such a mm-hmm. it sounds like such an important moment in your career within psychology. Just to at least see that, just that there's some evidence out there, and mm-hmm. the whole thing about being able to approach someone as well. And it it, remi- it reminded me of when. I try not to get into too many specifics, but there's, there's someone like, you know, we still talk now and I kind of saw them in a, in a position. It was a, um, like a black male, um, sort of therapist. And mm-hmm. for me, that was quite powerful because there aren't, there aren't many of us. I think I, I read somewhere, someone, uh, referred to, um, uh, black sort of psychologists or therapists as unicorns because um, you know there was almost yeah. like, um you know for, for one reason yeah. or, or another you know it's just psychology is very female dominated anyway but I think that was quite mm-hmm. powerful just firstly just seeing them in a position like that we didn't have too much direct contact mm-hmm. but from time to time but just that offer of mm-hmm. do you know what you need anything shout me and I did I did take that up as well Sometimes you might not do that, but it's having that that option, and it's not you can't do that with other people, but it's just mm. when you need to go to somebody for something and say, "This is an experience I've had." Mm-hmm. You may have had it as well. You might not have, but even if you haven't, you probably understand where I'm coming from. Can mm. you just advise me on that? And, yeah. and that's something quite powerful. I suppose my last question on this is about might be hard to to think about, but if you didn't have that at all so if you never met Henrietta if you never if you just happened to not go to that that talk or uh, workshop mm-hmm. or it, but if you weren't able to go that if you didn't have that pretty much for most of the time mm. what impact do you think that would have had on you oh 
that's a really good question that's a really really good question because I've never actually thought of that before mm. I think that I probably still would have got into the field but it may have been a case where it would have taken again a bit longer until maybe I would have met someone else who is in the profession or because I really feel that with um like getting into the psychology field as well it's something that um for for some people um not for everyone but from I can only talk about my experience anyway so for me I feel like this is what I am meant to be doing um I feel that you know this is where I'm meant to be and everything usually works out in that way um like I believe that you know, things don't happen by coincidence. It's meant to be um, that way that I'm meant to be in this field. So I think it would have happened maybe in a different way. And even having said that, I think not too long, it was weird because I feel like from meeting her, it was almost like a, a domino effect of meeting people in the field itself. So um, not too long after when we did the production, um, I wasn't aware that there were actually some mental health professionals who actually attended the theatre production as well. So I remember getting an email from um, a psychiatrist um, who came to watch and she was um, she gave me really good feedback. Mm. And again, this was a black woman. And um, later on, she actually became one of my mentors as well. Mm. So I feel that things would have pieced out. Um, and if I hadn't met her anyway, I feel like, it, again, it would have made that process take a bit longer, perhaps. Um, so, yeah, it was it was really pivotal in my journey itself. And I'm grateful for that encounter. I'm really, really grateful for that. Mm. Um, and, you know, sometimes when you're when you um, when you're thinking about something a lot or when you have something in mind, when you go out into the world, you're more likely to see those things. Mm. So because I had that encounter, I was sort of, and I'm, I was aware of it, it made me look out for it a bit more. Mm. So I was more receptive to um, talking to more people and networking and going out there to see other people who are in the field as well. So yeah, I think um, overall, I, I feel like I still would be where I am, but, just maybe at a later stage if that makes sense it might have taken a bit longer yeah no yeah. I, I understand and just just for the listeners I just want to point out that when when you're talking about the um the feedback that you got big big smiles uh, you know that's good you know do you know, do you know <laughs> what I mean like big big and I think that that's the thing you know we're, we're trying to help people but you know actually it's things like that we you know um the mental health of therapists is very important and we have experiences mm -hmm. like that and we are afforded opportunities like that you know it's really it's really important mm -hmm. so thank you for sharing we're going to oh, actually before we start to wrap up and think about one thing to change the one piece of advice from what you've sort of learned from your journey that you could pass on to somebody who's just coming out of you know a, a young a young mm -hmm. nessa um what, what what would be one one piece of advice you'd give them I would say, find your tribe. That's what I would say. And I say that because it, it can tend to be quite isolating, um, especially 
you know, being in a new field, especially if you're, yeah, you're, you're just coming into the field, you're not aware of how to navigate, um, having people around you is really important mm. um, for your own mental health, for your own well-being. People around you who can, um, you know, encourage you when things are, you know, not going so well and people that you can share these experiences with so you know I was I was sort of lucky in the sense where I had one of my friends who was also training at at the same time as me but from a different service so Mm. once in a while maybe every couple of weeks or something we would literally have a two-hour conversation um not planned we'll just you know check up on each other Mm. and then it ends up turning into a two-hour conversation just literally ranting (laughs) about our experiences and I felt like it was nice to um you know be able to speak about these things as well so having those people around you that you can talk to that you can trust that you can share experiences with just uh, as a way as an outlet as a way of letting it all out rather than keeping it all in yeah thank you for that okay so um question I ask everyone that comes on to the show Mm-hmm. If there is one thing that your field of psychology could do better to improve and try and reduce the experiences and situations that you've had to endure. Can I say two things? <laughs> we'll, we'll fuse it together as a, a one bigger yeah. point, but go for it, go for it. Yeah, okay. So I feel like one thing that I feel needs to change in the actual psychology field as well is we need more culturally sensitive and racially informed support not just for patients that's also important but also for um you know therapists and i say that because you know it, it seems to be now we we've progressed don't get me wrong we've really progressed when it comes to that but again there's still a lot of work to be done and now sometimes it does feel like a tick box system in the field where um we'll just set up this quote unquote b-a-m-e group i'm saying quote unquote for a reason (laughs) and we'll set up this group and um you know we'll talk about things but then things are not really being implemented and you know, I feel like that's really challenging because it makes a lot of people feel that their experiences are not being taken into account. Um, And we've been having conversations like this for hundreds of years, but what is actually being done? So I feel like there needs to be more of those culturally sensitive and racially informed support. And also, um, you know, with, I think one of the reasons why people are quite hesitant to it is because of they they say there's lack of research uh, into these areas or these approaches um and I feel like the only reason why or one of the reasons why there is that lack of research is because there isn't funding being put into Mm. these other approaches as well which is a, a whole another thing as well so if there isn't that funding being used to um do these studies then of course there's not going to be that much research to support it so it seems like we're using one particular approach above um, others and don't get me wrong these approaches do have their place but I believe in the more holistic approach to support and um therapy so overall I think yeah one thing that needs to change is 
we need to put more funding into the, the culturally sensitive support um, for patients, clients, and also for staff. I like that. I'm going to, if you have the, uh, the intellectual rights, if anything comes of that as well, you've got full, full rights of that. Um, <laughs> <laughs> thank you. Thank you so much for coming on the, the show today. Really insightful conversations, lot, like lots of things I've learned. Definitely going to be checking inside out as well. Um, and, and obviously, of course, you know, best of luck with continuing on with the, the great work that you're doing as a, as a PWP, but also with, the, with your organisation as well. So thank you so much for coming on. Thank you too. Thank you for having me. Like, I love having conversations like this. And thank you for setting up this platform as well. It's needed um, for us to talk about these things and also for you know, people who are coming into the field to know what you know, we're getting ourselves into. So we appreciate this platform that you've created thank you thank you and of course you can listen to my reflections at the end um, after the music thanks very much for listening definitely a lot of fun to do i really enjoyed hearing about the inside out project and all the good work that's been done by her and and her colleagues within that project as well particularly a lot of the stuff she sounds like she's been very busy over over covid and you know it's it's times like those you really need people to kind of step up and, and and put things on so i felt really privileged to to be able to speak to her and find out what she's been up to as well Again, curiosity has come up as, as a theme and you can really you can really feel that Nessa has got, you know, a real kind of stake in the work that she does. And there's, there's a lot of, there's just a lot of like um, authenticity in, in the work that she's doing and, and genuineness as well. I think it's probably a better word to use. So again, just such, such an important thing. And you can tell she's, she's always a, a person that's that's obviously going to grow and grow with all the work that she's done. One of the things I think, similar to the conversation I had with Ashley, which which obviously is in a previous episode, was this kind of hybrid of of using a medium to communicate that message about mental well being and how to engage you know other people from the community and i just love the idea about doing it in a in a very creative way and it's quite interesting because there's a lot of creatives within psychology and the reason it's interesting is because particularly if you work in a very structured way and of course the way that i work and, and the way that nessa works it's very much cognitive behavioral therapy that's very structured and so the creativeness almost comes as a, almost as a, an opposite to that. But as a, you know, one of one of the supervisors I had in in the past, who, who was fantastic, they always told me that you need to have flexible structure. So obviously, having a foundation and something to hold things in place, but also be able to 
sort of adapt and maneuver within that structure as well to to fit who you're working with. In terms of the experiences that she's mentioned, and particularly the one around being late, I think I still feel sad about that now. When I did my, when I did the edit and and, and listen back, it's it's really sad, you know, the way that Nessa's described it. There were, there were definitely legitimate reasons, and they often usually are, when it comes down to that. And I've definitely been there myself. There was there was one place in particular where I worked. And there was a there was a person, a white female, blonde, and she should just stroll in anytime they felt like 15, 20 minutes, 45 minutes late, 50 minutes late, running banter with the you know, with like senior management and it's like other people when they come in one or two minutes late, it's like, oh, we need to have a meeting about your lateness. And it's like, well, I'm not saying that people should, you know, should be late, I think. It's good to be punctual, particularly if you're working with, with with clients or you know with people from the public. But you got to give allowances and, and 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 treat that fairly. So again, that's really not uncommon. I mean, it's it's happened in a lot of places where I've worked. But it's again that same message of it's one rule for you, one rule for other people. If you call it out. We're going to get on to you for being aggressive. And it, it makes me now wonder a bit more about, again, all of these kind of additional layers of armor that you kind of have to put on and kind of wear that kind of dread and that anxiety about making sure then you're not late because all the kind of stereotypes that exist already and then all of the, the kind of evidence and experience that you've had that kind of reinforces that belief. But also, just this idea now about, it's got me thinking about then, in my, my working life, I've often been called quite laid back. One place said, because I wasn't running around flapping and panicking, that I just wasn't really engaged or, or kind of committed to getting things done. And I feel, I feel like that's where this kind of, when you end up being in a position where you're criticised for speaking your mind or trying to call things out for what they are, so then you decide to think, well, obviously that's not worked before. Let me try something else. You're labeled as the quiet one. And I think often that then turns into laid back, which then is the, the cousin of lazy. So you then get called lazy. You're not working hard. You're not doing much. And then it, it's very similar then when you do reel off the things that you have been doing and then people are surprised and it's like, well, just because I'm not running around like there's you know, a million fires doesn't mean I'm not working or doing anything. And I wonder if that's where some of that stereotype comes in psychology because again we're trying to navigate our way in terms of not coming across as this kind of aggressive person but also then getting stuck with it and it looks like I'm not doing anything as well and again it's just these extra rings of fire that we need to to jump through just to to stay in the job we're not even talking about trying to go for promotions and, and other positions we we talked a little bit in this one a bit more about the relatability of you to other people that that work in, in the field and how important that is. We've got an episode coming up, don't think you would have heard it by yet, but uh, talking to a, a black male who's also working in the area of psychology and 
you know, it, it's for, obviously for me, that's, that's something that's quite relatable, but just kind of knowing that there's someone else out there that's got, you know, similar demographic, it, it's, it's really important. I guess the idea about not just, again, it doesn't have to be the same person who shares exactly the same features, because again, we had the example of, of allies as well. I've had I've had a number of of, of allies that, that I've worked with, you know, people who have given me an opportunity. You know, I'm not gonna like give specific names, but particularly when I came into my training and when I was being offered the senior position, just knowing that there was someone that kind of trusted in me, trusted what I was doing, particularly in especially when it comes to the senior role and when I'd gone for other senior roles and the circumstances in which I didn't get that, um, which from my perspective, had absolutely nothing to do with ability, um, but more to do with my what I looked like. But um, yeah, just having that ally and also just being trusted, because that was another thing. It's one thing getting a job, but also being trusted to to do that job as well. And that person saying, "This is the job. Let me know when it's done." Or what do you think? What what can we what can we add to what's going on as well? You know, are we doing enough? What do you think we need to do? So again, those, those kind of questions. So I think it's really important and having a supervisor that's like that and you know of course trying not to to be too specific but I can certainly say the supervisor I have at the moment is very much like that as well you know very supportive very considerate someone that I, I can trust again it's not somebody from the same demographic background as me but we've managed to create a a strong relationship where I know if I need to say something, I can be quite confident in, in saying that as well. So it's really important. I think finally, and this kind of is actually, I'm going back a little bit now, but just coming back to the, the experience that Nessa mentioned around her being treated different and of been fortunate to work with some black females in obviously in psychology in in various different uh, areas and environments but yeah I know for two people that I'd I'd say I'm reasonably close with obviously not going to name names but just certain experiences that they've had to go through that's just I think definitely made me quite I'd, I'd go on and say it made me feel quite depressed at the time just seeing that with one one person effectively being forced out of their role being going for you know different opportunities among opportunities and you know just not not being given that chance but just someone else who you could see from just how they've been treated and it's not just the accounts that they were given but just actually witnessing the way that they were being spoken to for this person you could see that there were a number of people that had it out for them and for no reason as well because for that, for this one particular person, we were in the same boat. So we were doing the same job and I was certainly being treated different. Not as nice as some of the other people, but better than what she was. And it was, it was the other things like the rolling off the eyes, the dismissive kind of hand gestures, the meetings upon meetings upon meetings, the kind of extra work that they were being given that other people want. Um, you know, the, 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 the higher targets that they were being given. And even, even when they were being given the same sort of standard targets in comparison to, again, someone from, you know, majority background, 
just not being given allowances, particularly when they had certain things going on in their life where it would justify actually, do you know what, just maybe to see a few less people for this period of time and just not being given that space. So definitely I think talking to Nessa reminded me of that and clearly that 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 that's that's still going on. So that's sad. But I think I think just to kind of end this kind of reflection, I think Nessa's doing a lot of great stuff. Again, you know, there there are plenty of things out there, both for the for the kind of African and Caribbean community, but as as we'll hear in future for um, you know, other communities as well. And some really good work. So again, if you haven't already, please do check out the the inside out. And yeah, once again, thank you for listening.